All right. So, uh, yeah, let's jump in this morning. Um, I feel like I wanted to talk about something that I think is touching so many of us, um, myself included, so I'm going to be preaching to myself. By the way, I just have to say, I've got my baby here on the front row. That's right. Last two Sundays was my daughter. This time I got the queen of the castle right there. Come on. Don't you, don't you be distracting me this morning. While I... she, she just sent me, how do you do that? You sent me the heart thing. It's so sweet. All right, so, wow, all right, we're going to jump in now. I've totally, like, lost track of what I'm talking about right now. Uh, but anyway, yeah, so I want, I want to deal with something that I think all of us are, you know, j- that all of us have the tendency to struggle with. Maybe you're in this house today or, or at Shaw or one of our other uh, locations, and you're just thinking, man, uh, this, this is so me. I think this is going to touch uh, somebody. I know it's going to touch me. So I was thinking this week about, about our choices, about our decisions, about how many decisions that we actually have to make uh, so frequently. But, but I, I read something that the average number of decisions for most people every single day is about 35,000 decisions. Now I realize, you know, a lot of those happen, we're, we're not aware of them, right? They're in our subconscious, they just happen. We come to an intersection, we turn left or turn right, we, chur- we choose the turn lane or the outside lane or, you know, a lot of things we just do and we're making decisions that we don't even realize it. But others are a lot more intentional. Like some of you right now, I, I think the Lord just told me there's about 23 people right now that you're already thinking about the food that you're going to have right after church. And you're thinking, man, Mark is standing between me and Maggiano lasagna right now. If you weren't thinking about that, you are now. So, yeah, we make so many decisions throughout the day, and I want to talk to you just for a few moments about uh, the, one of the most important choices that you will ever have to make in your life. And so I want to get started by looking uh, at the words of Jesus and something he said in one of his most famous sermons uh, in the book of Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. And so just to give you a little context before we get into the actual text, uh, just a few verses before what we're going to read here, starting in verse 25, you've got Jesus uh, saying things like, look, don't, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth, because those things can be destroyed, right? Somebody can break in and steal them, uh, they can waste away, uh, that kind of thing. He says, so, so just make sure you set your treasures in heaven. So he's doing this comparison and this contrasting, and in that context he says, look, you, you can't serve two masters. You're going to hate one uh, you're going you're gonna to despise one, you're going to cling to the one, you're going to despise the other. Um, and then in that context, he actually says you can't serve God in money. So he's setting it up for this discussion about choices that we have to make and the incredible consequences, both negative and positive, of the choices that we make. And so we pick this up in Matthew 6.25, and this, of course, is the words of Jesus, and this is what he said. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry. Can we just like stop there for the morning and we're done? Like that, that's pretty much it, right? He said, do not worry. And then he goes on about your life and what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What will you put on? He's talking about some pretty basic levels of need here, like what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to wear, those kinds of things. I mean, they're important, but he's he's going to help us prioritize some things uh, in this passage. And so he says this, 
Is not life more than food? And the body more important than clothing? Right? We're prioritizing. And then he gives us an example. He says, I want you to look at the birds of the air. Because they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather the harvest into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Wow. And then he makes this statement. And I realize some of us probably don't feel this so much emotionally, but this is the truth according to Jesus. This is the Word of God. After giving this illustration from creation, he says, Are you not of more value than they? Think about how amazing the creation is, right? Stars and, and suns and planets and mountains and valleys and oceans and creatures and all of that. And yet, when God looks at you, he says, You are more valuable than all of those things and then he keeps going on in this topic about worry he says which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature now when I was young and I was skinny and fairly handsome I was playing a lot of basketball, and I was so frustrated that I, I, the, the tallest that I could get to was right around six feet. And I'm like, man, if I could just put on six more inches, I would be the height of Michael Jordan. If I put on nine more inches, I'd be the height of Magic Johnson. If I put on like 16 more inches, I'd be Manute Bull, but we don't want to go, go quite that far. But the truth is, no amount of wishing, no amount of desiring, no amount of worrying is able to add anything to your stature. And some people say, you know, add, add a cubit to your stature. could be anywhere from a few inches all the way up to a cubit. could be as much as 26 inches. But either way, Jesus is saying it's not possible. Worry doesn't accomplish anything or change anything in the positive. Now, it will do some things in the negative. Worry can affect your blood pressure. Can somebody say amen? amen. Anybody ever worry yourself into a backache? Thank you for some honesty in the house today. Jesus goes on to say, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. And he's giving us some reasons why we should not be fearful, why we should not be worrying. He says, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And then he says it again, Therefore, do not worry. And he says specifically, don't worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? And then he says, for after all these things the Gentiles seek after. Now remember, 
the book of Matthew is written to a Jewish audience and uh, he's speaking primarily to the Jews in the book of Matthew they're, they're kind of the focus of the writing of the book of Matthew but basically all Jesus is meaning by Gentile is anybody that is outside of the context of the kingdom of God anybody that's not putting their faith and their trust in God he says I want you to be different than people that are part of a different kingdom I, I want you to think differently I want you to process things differently because you're part of a of the kingdom of God you're, you're not outside of this kingdom so don't worry like those who are outside of this kingdom worry and here's the reason why for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things God already is aware of the basic necessities that we need for life so Jesus gives us an alternative he says instead of spending all of your time worrying about that he said seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things shall be added to you now you you probably are fully aware of how paradoxical the kingdom of God can be it, it's so upside down right because if you want to be exalted in the kingdom of God what do you do you humble yourself things things are backwards in the kingdom of God basically he's saying if you if you seek stuff you end up without stuff but if you seek God you're gonna get everything I there's there's a quote by CS Lewis I, I love I love the writings of CS Lewis and this is one of my favorite quotes he actually said if you aim at heaven you will get earth thrown in if you aim at the earth you get neither just chew on that one for just a moment Jesus is saying seek the kingdom and not only will you get the kingdom but your Heavenly Father is going to provide everything else that you need as well and then here he goes again therefore or in other words because of that because God knows your needs and because God will meet your needs do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about its own things believe me he's saying sufficient for the day is its own trouble over and over and over in this passage Jesus says don't worry I want you to just imagine for a moment just let yourself drift away to a hypothetical world and think about what it would be like to live a worry free life Wow because we are professionals at worry there are a million things to worry about we can worry about the bills we can worry about the income we can worry about what other people think we can worry about work we can worry about aging we can worry about death we can worry about what other people are doing especially if you're on social media we can worry about I just threw that in we, we can worry about mistakes and we worry about what can go wrong and what happens if things don't go right and we worry about things that are beyond our control and we worry about being perfect and we worry about the past and we worry about the present and we worry about the future we know how to worry we're good at it but Jesus says don't worry even if the world around us seems so volatile 
I, I know the conversations that we're having because I've been having some of them myself and we're thinking about, God, what is going on? The last two years have been crazy. And it seems like inflation is going up. And it seems like house values are just, are just weird and crazy. I mean, you don't want to, it's almost, you don't want to sell your house because it's going to cost you a million dollars to go buy another one. It's just a crazy season. The prices of, of food and all of that, just so volatile. And Jesus is saying, don't worry. Listen, I hope you can hear me when I say this. Jesus is not holding out in front of people. The people of the first century had things to worry about too. We're, we're not unique in the scope of history. They had things to worry about too. And he was not holding out an impossible dream to them. And he certainly was not asking the children of God to create some kind of fake positivity. Right? We're not just supposed to fake it till you make it. <laughs> He's actually saying, no, this can be done. You can live a life that is free from worry. The problem is that so many people think that this involves, you know, getting the right formula for your life. Right? If all of the things are right, I don't have to worry. If I have the right career, maybe put that together with the right family, the right money, maybe subtract a little bit of pain, subtract a little bit of suffering, all that. If I can get all of those things in order, I would have a happy, worry-free life. So we think, that, we think that this idea of happiness and being free from worry is related to our needs. And if my needs are met, then I will be happy. And so then we actually go after all of those things trying to get our needs met. Jesus flips the script and he says, going after your needs actually creates worry. It creates stress. If the first concern in my life is me, if the first concern in my life is my needs, then my life is going to be filled with worry. But Jesus actually reveals a principle that can resolve the dilemma. He says the real issue is not my needs, the real issue is divine order in my life. Everybody say divine order. Man, that sounded good. Say it again. Divine order. Okay, what I'm not talking about when I say divine order is I'm not talking about a lack of chaos. Because all of us can have chaos in our life and still have divine order. You'll see what I mean here in just a moment. This, this world is filled with chaos and yet at the same time there could be divine order. Because I'm not talking about getting all of your ducks in a row. I talked to somebody not long ago who said, I said, uh, man, how, how hard is this, trying to get all your ducks in a row? He says, I can't even get my ducks in the same pond. Like, they're just, they're just like everywhere, chaos, right? <clears throat> no, not talking about chaos, I'm talking about prioritizing. And when we get the right things in the right place, we can live a life that's free from worry and from fear and from anxiety and from stress. But the focus can't be on our needs. It has to be on order. It's not about getting more. It's not about getting better. It's not about getting greater things. It's about divine order. So here's the principle that Jesus is really trying to get across to us. 
when order is restored, blessing is released. When order is restored, blessing is released. God has actually de designed blessing as the natural byproduct of divine order. When people put God first in their lives, that is a restoration of order and there is a supernatural release of blessing in your life. Now, don't, don't get distracted right now about what blessing means because I realize that the moment that you, that you say, you know, God's going to release blessing into your life, we start thinking about it like a blank check. We start thinking, especially about money. Man, somebody's going to walk up to me with a lottery ticket and they're going to think, hey, happy birthday, and it's going to be the big one. It's like, no, it, God, God's going to bless you in the way that he knows that you need to be blessed. So don't get distracted about trying to define the blessing. The point here is that if divine order is restored in your life, then God is going to release blessing into your life. We spent some time last week in Genesis 1, which is the story of the creation and how God actually brought order out of chaos. And in that context, the earth was filled with blessing. But if you think about the story of Adam and Eve, they were tempted, right? But really the temptation was not rooted in the fruit that was hanging from that tree, whatever that was. The temptation found its root in what Satan said to Eve when, when, when he said, Listen, God doesn't want you to be like him. God doesn't want you to have the wisdom that he has and the understanding that he has. He, he, he wants... He wants to hold you back. And so if you will just make a shift in order in your life, instead of God being first in your life, why don't you try to make yourself first in your life? You can be like God. You don't need him in your life. You can replace him in your life. So think about that. They were created by God. They were the children of God. But when they changed the order of things, it brought loss and destruction. Why am I, why am I saying that? I'm saying that because, listen, you could be saved. You could be healed. God may even have delivered you from some things in your life. This is not the question. The question is not your status in terms of being saved. But you could have all of those things and yet still not see a full release of the blessing of God in your life if we are constantly adjusting the divine order based on what we hear from culture, based on our desire to meet our needs. I'm just, I'm just being transparent with you guys. There have been a million times in my life when I've said, Jesus, take the wheel. Actually, give it back. Anybody ever done that? It's like, God, you're first in my life. Actually, I'm first for a little bit. Okay, God, you're first. So we don't experience that full release of blessing in our life if we're constantly adjusting the order. But this is what is so awesome. We actually have the opportunity every single day to let go of worry and bring things back into the right order so that blessing can be released in our life. You know what one of my favorite verses, you don't have it to put up on the screen, but this is one of my favorite verses that says that his mercies are new every single morning. Right? 
We've got a chance to reset. We've got a chance to get things back in the right order. And Jesus tells us how to do that in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. And this is from the Amplified, actually. And it says, but first and most importantly, seek or aim at or strive after his kingdom. Everybody say first. That's order. First, I want you to seek after the kingdom of God. Jesus is saying, look, here's the secret. If I can take the focus off of myself and my needs and turn the focus onto God and onto the kingdom of God, his rule and his reign in my life and in, in the community around me, then blessing is going to be released into my life. So there is a choice that is set before us every single day. And this is the choice that I want to I wanna just focus in on. Every day we have a choice. We can either choose worry or we can choose worship. We can choose worry or we can choose worship. Focus on God. Focus on the kingdom of God. And if we get the order right, blessing can be released into our lives. So how do we do this? How do we make the best choice? Because it's easy, man. I don't know about you guys. You, you realize a lot of things we do, we just do by default. It's like the emotional rut or the psychological rut or the mental rut or whatever the rut is that we have dug deep into the roads of our life and we just end up falling into the rut because that's the easy thing. We do it by default. And so for, for me, <laughs> worry is a default. And so this has to be a conscious, intentional decision that I make every single day. Worry or worship. So let me give you just a few things. Wow. Looking at the time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fly. Let me give you just a few things that will help us to make that best choice. The first thing I've got to do, number one, is I've got to recognize my kingdom identity. Remember the first thing that Satan tempted Adam and Eve with was, hey, God is telling you you're this when actually you're this. You need to buy into a different identity. I love this prayer in Colossians 1 verse 11. Paul here uh, prayed a number of times for the, churches of the church at Colossae, but this is, this is one of those prayers. He says, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all of God's glorious power so that you will have all of the endurance and the patience you need. Anybody want that prayer to be answered in your life? Man, come on, God, give it to me. He said, may you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. And, and here's some of the reasons why you should be filled with joy and why you should all be filled with thanksgiving. He says, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people. Think about that, the inheritance of God given to the people who live in the light. Now watch this, this is, this is huge when it comes to your identity. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. One of the best things that you can do to stop worrying and to enter into a life of seeking God first, a life of worship, is to realize that God has done an incredible thing in your life. I realize that we struggle with sin and we struggle with bad decisions and all of that, but it's not like you're some kind of 
uh, boy, I want to use the I want to use the word schizophrenic because the, it's not like you're shifting from darkness to light, from darkness to light, from darkness to light. That is not you. I realize on Sunday you feel like you're wearing a halo, and on Monday sometimes you feel like your horns are growing out. But you're not shifting from darkness to light. You're a child of God, and yes, you're human, and yes, you deal with your fallenness all of the time. But His mercies. You have been transferred into another kingdom. So if you're struggling with worry, one of the best things you can do is remember who you are. It's all about understanding the transfer. You're not in darkness anymore. You are in the kingdom of God's Son. You are a child of God. You are a son of God. You are a daughter of God. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, John 1 said, for those who believe gave he the power to become the sons and the daughters of God. When you put your faith in Jesus, you are transferred into a different kingdom and now you have a different father. Jesus again said the Gentiles, these are again referring to people that are outside of the kingdom of God. They live a life of worry about the simplest things but he says that's not for you you just got to accept your kingdom identity you're a son of the king you've got an awesome father you can come boldly into the presence of God there's been a lot of times in my life when I have gone to prayer that I felt like I slithered into the presence of God I scraped myself across the floor barely made it under the the door of the throne room and God is saying, you are my child. When you are here, I want you to push the doors of the throne room open. I want you to walk straight to the throne with your head up and your shoulders squared back. You do not have to be intimidated because you are my child. You're not walking in here because you've been a good boy or a good girl. You're not walking in here because your behaviors are all perfect and because your spiritual disciplines are all just you know, right in line. You're walking in here because you're my child. You're my son and you're my daughter and you deserve to be here because you are mine. Man, I could get distracted by that for a little while. That is. Matthew 5, Jesus said this. This is from the message. A little bit of a paraphrase, but this is what he said. Verse 48. He says, in a word, what I am saying is grow up. You are kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way that God lives toward you. First step in letting go of worry and making the best choice is to recognize your kingdom identity. Let me give you another one. The second one is I've got to redirect my energy. I want you to think about how much energy we invest in worry. And worry does not contribute anything back to us except pain. Just a moment of transparency, moment of honesty, authenticity. Five or six years ago, I went through one of the most devastating seasons of my life. And I, I can't even really pinpoint why it started. All I know is that, Robin can attest to this, is that I laid down in the bed. I'm in Arizona at the time. And I laid down in bed, 
And about three seconds later, I sat straight up. And I was like, I can't, I can't lay down. And that initiated a year of me not being able to lay down in that bed. I would try, and in seconds, I would be up on my feet and pacing the floor. And I would do this all through the night. I would, I would just pace and pace and pace and pace. And I was worrying. And have you, ever, have you ever gotten a hold of that worry snowball where the more you roll it around, the bigger it gets? And this was happening to me. And so finally, I mean, I'm, I'm so exhausted. I'm so, and, I, and I didn't know anything about the miracle of melatonin. I didn't know about anything that could help me to actually get to sleep. And so I'm just, I'm just pacing, right? And finally got to the point where I was so exhausted that I would sit down in a chair in the living room and I, and I would kind of doze off for about 15 minutes and all of a sudden, eyes, bam, open again. And I'd be pacing the floor again. And I would be worrying and I'd be stressing and I'd be wondering. And God, you know, and, and the truth is, I just said the word God. The truth is, the problem is that for a long time, I actually was not calling on God. For a long time in that season, I was actually trying to figure stuff out. I was using my human creativity, trying to come up with some ingenuity, trying to get smart enough to fix stuff. And God, if I could just get this fixed, then all of my worries would go away and all of that. And the truth is, I worried about it and I created my own frustration. It took me a while before I actually could turn it to God. And I'm just telling you, the result of that left me drained, it left me exhausted, it left me physically hurting, and all of that, because that's what worry does. Worry drains your energy, and it obliterates your hope for tomorrow. We waste so much energy investing in worry. And I think what we need to do is we need to do a little analysis, kind of like we do financial analysis, right? We need to figure out what is the return on investment? What is the ROI that I get out of worry? What's the benefit that I am receiving from this? And I think what we'll find out is that we're not getting anything positive out of worry. And so I need to redirect my energy that I've been using for worry and actually use it for something that makes a difference. I need to redirect my energy to something that's going to possibly even change the situation. And this is what Paul said to the church at Philippi, Philippians 4, 6. This is also another one of my favorite verses. He says this, don't worry about anything. You think the Greek word for anything right there means anything? <laughs> Probably. Don't worry about anything. Instead, here's what you should do. Here's the alternative. Instead of focusing down here, focus up there. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. It's okay. Instead of worrying about what you need, tell God what you need. And then thank Him for what He's already done. Prayer plus thanksgiving is the energy invested with the highest rate of return. <laughs> what am I going to get out of this? I'm telling you, when we turn worry into prayer, worry into thanksgiving, worry into worship, there is a corresponding release of the power and blessing of God 
in our life. Listen, this is God's heart for you. Romans 8, 28, this is what God desires for you. And not just what he desires, this is what he's doing for you. It says, and we know that all things, everybody say all things. I like these words like anything and everything and all things. He says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. All things work together for good. Not all things are good. I think that's where we get messed up. We start thinking, man, there's some bad stuff in my life. Well, yeah, we live in a fallen world populated by fallen people making fallen decisions. And by the way, we're one of them. But God can still take all things, good, bad, ugly, and work it together for your good. And so instead of worrying about those things, why don't we just end up turning those into an opportunity to worship? I would encourage you to take Romans 8, 28 and turn it into a prayer. Turn it into a thanksgiving. Just say, God, today I know that circumstances are crazy. I know that I've got needs in my life. But God, I agree with your word. And your word says that you are working everything out for my good. Your word says that you already know what I have need of. And your word says that if I seek your kingdom first, you're going to supply all of my needs. So... We're making this choice, the, the best choice we could ever make. First, we've got to accept who we are, our kingdom identity. Second, we've got to redirect our energy. Third, if I'm going to position myself to make the best choice, I've got to realign my priorities. Jesus said, I'll read the whole verse this time, but first and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after his kingdom, his righteousness, which means his way of doing and being right, the attitude and the character of God. You know, we've got to figure out what the kingdom of God really is. Right? The kingdom of God is his rule, his reign. It's where he's the king. Right? And so he is the one that's calling the shots. His way is being done. His will is being done. It is so easy for us to get distracted by peripheral things and think that those are the kingdom. Romans chapter 14, if you've ever taken the time to read that, it's a very interesting time in church history because there's so many people coming into the church. You've got people that were, were really orthodox in their Jewish faith, and so for them it was very important to, to celebrate some of the Sabbaths and some of the moons and some of the festivals and all of that kind of stuff. And so they're like, we're becoming Christians, but we still feel really strong about all of these things in our Jewish tradition, so we're going to keep doing that. And now you've got all of these Gentiles that are coming in, and they don't know anything about the Jewish faith, they don't know anything about festivals and traditions and Sabbaths and moons and all of that kind of stuff. And they, they're, they're even, they're eating things that are offending us, some of the Jewish Christians were saying, because, you know, we're being very careful about what we eat, but you've got people over here, Gentiles, that are becoming Christians, and they're coming into the kingdom of God, and they're eating meat that has been offered to idols. In those pagan temples, whenever they would sacrifice meat to the idols afterwards, kind of like a barbecue, they'd bring it out. They'd have a feast, they'd have a festival, they would party with the meat that's been offered to idols that really bothered the Jewish people that were Christians. And so the Jew, Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians started fussing and fighting, you know, about what we're going to eat, what we're not going to eat, you shouldn't eat that, I, I'm going to do this. And all of that stuff is going on. And they were thinking, these are the important elements of the kingdom. And Paul says in Romans 14, 17, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking whatever you like. 
The kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when I'm seeking the kingdom of God, I'm not seeking just to have my own way in everything that I do. I'm seeking what God wants for me and what God wants for you. There's a reason why we, we need to seek after that because as the Old Testament says, there's, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. But man, when you understand who you are, when you understand, you're, re, you're redirecting your energy toward God and His kingdoms and your priorities begin to come into alignment with God. Listen, that's not, a, that's not a natural thing. That's not going to happen by default. It's a daily choice that we make as we yield to what God has for us. We've got to acknowledge that God has a purpose and a plan for our life and that it's better than any plan that we could come up with. This, is, this struggle is very much a real part of what it means to be a human being. In fact, at, at the most difficult moment of his life, this is what Jesus is struggling with. Because he realizes that set before him is the suffering of the cross, the cup of suffering. And he's actually in the garden of Gethsemane praying to God and saying, Father, if there is any possible way, please let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Just stop for a moment and feel the humanity of Jesus. This is not a fake prayer. He is actually saying, I know that I came into this world to go to the cross, but Father, if there's any way that you can help me avoid this. And I know we've prayed this prayer. God, look what I'm carrying. Look what, I, look what I'm dealing with. Look at the weight that is on my shoulders. Is there any way that you could just take this off of me? Jesus, finally in the throes of that wrestling match, says, but not my will, but your will be done. This is the same Jesus who told us when we pray, we need to be praying, God, your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm telling you, worry is connected to the stress of wanting our own plans to work out. It's connected to the stress of worrying about what will happen if they don't work out. But if our priorities are to see God's will done, then the pressure is off. And this is really what Jesus is offering, a way to take the pressure off, a reason to never have to worry again. In fact, let me just give you the last one, because if you have acknowledged who you are as a kingdom subject, and if you have redirected your energy towards God and His kingdom, and if you have realigned your priorities to instead of seeking your own stuff, to seek the kingdom of God first, then you can now, number four, is you can actually really enjoy your freedom. And this is what I feel like God wants to do for somebody today. Whether you're at Shaw or right here at the Tivoli or online, God wants you to begin to enjoy some freedom. Everybody say freedom. 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 David, are you out there? Can you come help me? Jesus said, seek God first, Matthew 6, and all of these things shall be added to you. All of these things meaning the necessities of life. He said, the Gentiles, they're going to worry about this stuff. But God is going to take care of these needs for you. 
And that frees us up to make the best choice ever. And this is what, I, this is what I'm seeing right now. This, I, just, I just see this for some of you right now. You have been living your life like this. Your hands are clenched. Everything in you is tightened up. And God says, I want you to let go of worry today and choose something better. I want you to open your hands. I want you to trust me. And I want you to lift your hands. No more clenching of the fists. How about raising of the hands? I'm telling you, God is going to set you free from worry. I want to pray with you today. And I'm going to ask you across our campuses one more time. Would you just stand with me? If you're at Shaw, go ahead and stand. If you're online, if you're in your living room, your kitchen, if you're eating that breakfast burrito, just stand up wherever you're at. And I want to pray with you today. Because maybe you're in, maybe you're in all four of these areas. Maybe there's just one. Maybe, maybe today you have struggled with acknowledging who you are as a child of God because you're, you're, you're making the decision about your status as a child of God based on how well you're doing with your behavior. Stop that. Just stop that. God did not make you a child when you had your behaviors perfect. And God's not going to kick you out of his home from being his child just because your behaviors are not yet perfect. So stop that. You're a child of God. Get your kingdom identity established. I want to pray for those of you that are just struggling with that. Some of you, man, you have been pouring some serious energy into worry. And today, God's going to help you redirect that towards Him. And what you're going to do is you're going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to make a commitment, Lord, that instead of worrying, instead of worrying about everything, I'm going to pray about everything. I'm going to give thanks for everything. And then for some of you, maybe, you're, maybe your thing is you've just had a hard time saying, God, let your will be done. You, you've got so many plans and desires for your life, and there's nothing wrong with that. Do you know, do you know God actually says that, if, that if, if, you're, if your delight is in the Lord, that he will actually give you the desires of your heart? He's not saying you can't have any desires. He just wants those desires to be centered in him. So whatever it is, if it's an academic desire, if it's a job desire, career desire, he's like, I want to be right in the middle of that. And then I'm going to pray that you experience freedom like you never have. So wherever you're at, would you just close your eyes for just a moment? And let me pray for you right now. Father, right now, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus for every person that is hearing my voice right now. God, worry is such a human experience. It's such a default that we go to in almost every situation of our life. And God, when we do, we're missing out on some incredible blessing that you have for us. And so, Father, I am praying right now. I am praying that you would remind somebody in this place, somebody that's hearing my voice, I pray that you would remind us of who we are in you, that we are the children of God, we are the sons of God, we are the daughters of God, we are part of a different kingdom, and you are our Father. 
Just let that sink into their spirit today, I pray, in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, for those that have just been pouring out so much energy into worry, God, that you would just flip that for them today, that you would help them, instead of worrying, to begin to take it to you, Lord, in prayer, and to begin to just offer up thanksgiving for what you've already done, understanding that you know already what we have need of, and you are going to meet our needs. I pray, God, you'd help every person that needs to realign their priorities today. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, that you would help us to say, not my will, but your will be done in every area of my life, God. And I pray for every person today that hasn't fully experienced freedom. Maybe they're saved. Maybe they're walking with you. But they would say today, I have not yet stepped into the full freedom of just living a life free of worry and fear and anxiety. I pray, God, that you'd bring freedom to them right now. In the name of Jesus, set them free. In Jesus' mighty name. And Father, for all of these things. For all of these things, God, we give you praise. And we give you glory. I pray, God, for everybody in this house, for everybody receiving this word, that 2022 would be a year of focusing on you. Not on us, not on our worries, not on our fears or anxieties. I pray that we would be able to bring everything to you. Seek you first. And trust that you are going to make a way. You're a way maker. <laughs> You're a promise keeper. Hallelujah. And God, we also know, we've got a history with you, Lord. We know that if you've done these things in the past, you can do them again. We trust you and we believe you and we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. And we say amen. Can we do that again? Can we say amen? We say amen. So be it. Let it be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, I want to give you just some practical ways you can respond today. If you're new to our church family, I hope you'll take that QR code that's on the back of your seat and scan that and use that to just connect with us and let us know that you're here. We'd love to know you're here. We'd love to celebrate with you. If God has done something in your life, share that with us. Share a prayer request, a testimony, whatever you want to do. But just use that connection card to communicate with us and let us know that you're here and what God is doing in your life. I want to also encourage you, if you're part of One Family Church, uh, you know we've got a mission to bring people and God together in love. If you want to be a part of that and you're giving with your tithes and your offering, if you're part of the Beyond Initiative, we just encourage you to give today. And you can do that in a number of different ways. You know, through our giving, we, we, we sponsor so many different agencies here locally and nationally and internationally. And today, we act, actually at both of our campuses, at Shaw and also right here, we've got Black Box International here. And, and they're all about uh, setting people free that have been involved in sex trafficking, I, I just ask you to stop, stop back there and check that out and find out what it is that they're doing and, and just see how we're actually helping to make a difference in that area through our giving. I want to encourage you to do that. I also want to encourage you guys, uh, if you need prayer, members of the prayer team are back in the prayer room and there's a communion experience that you can walk through self-directed. You can just remind yourself of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and how it sets you free in your life. Amen. But one more time before we're done, I think it'd be good if we worshiped a little bit more. Is that all right? Can we worship with the team one more time? God bless you guys.